Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Baseball Dads Podcast. So today our guest is Phil Rosengren and Phil is a buddy of mine. Um, we became friends a couple years ago and he runs a, a website called BetterPitching.com. And uh, we are, are thrilled to publish one of his programs, Curveball Mastery, which is a great program. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we're going to talk about some other things that are kind of going on in the game of baseball. So, Phil, thanks for coming on. Thanks for making the time today. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Paul. No, thank you. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on the podcast. No, we've got a, uh, a great community. I've been a fan of what you've been doing on the baseball side for years now. So it's, it's uh, like I said, an honor to be part of it. Um, and look forward to it. Cool. So let's let's do a, a one minute snapshot. You know, let's talk about uh, you know your your background as a professional pitcher and now a pitching instructor, um, working with all kinds of pitchers in Connecticut. Why don't you give us the uh, the snapshot of all things, Phil? Yeah, kind of one minute snapshot. Kind of tough to do. You know, sum it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, you kind of bottom line, talking about better pitching, what I'm doing on that side. So uh, you know, I I. Have been in baseball for since I was a, a kid, you know, and I'm 40 years old right now. So, um, played in college at Northwestern University. After that, played seven years in the minors, and um, when that came to an end, sort of towards the tail end of that, I got involved with working with young pitchers, um, and that's sort of what better pitching grew out of. Um, so, I'm based in Connecticut. Um, do most of my training in Danbury, Connecticut, right now, working with guys locally, but also with better pitching expanding online and working with a lot more guys, um, you know, around the country. Um, but, but talking to Baseball dads, I mean, this is, uh, that's really what it's about for me is that connection between you and your son um, and with the way that youth sports is going right now. Um, you know, it's, I think what you're doing on that with the five, six, seven dad book and everything you've been doing on that end is something I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you, you, you've got this incredible course that, that um, we publish called Curveball Mastery. And um, so when we, when we look to publish something, um, we want to publish the best that we think is out there. And, um, and we think your curveball program is pretty awesome. We think it's the best that's out there. So this is a, this is a hot topic, right, for every – I don't know that there – it's maybe the, a question that's asked of developing pitchers uh, or when pitchers mm. get to a level where, okay, I just can't throw my fastball by anybody or I don't – Right. Or I never could, and now I realize I need to do something else. Is when you know, mm. every dad's asked, when do we throw a curveball? When is it safe? How do you know? Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. It definitely is something that comes up a lot, and I think every kid wants to have that nasty curveball they can throw. And um, like you said, I think dads kind of get to that point, or and coaches where all right, this guy's not quite able to to get it by guys, but he has that other pitch. 
that can get guys off his fastball, maybe that'll make the difference. Um, and it's true to some extent. If you've got a great curveball, that will make your fastball that much better. That being said, I mean, I think we're probably on the same page with this, is that there may not be one set age where a guy's magically ready to start throwing a curveball. Um, but rule number one, no matter what, is always develop your fastball. So that's always where I start. And until you really master your fastball and get that as good as it can possibly be, I won't even start touching a curveball with a young pitcher. Um, typically for me, it might be in that kind of 13, 12, 13, 14 year age group. But like I said, every picture is different. So you might have an 11 year old kid who's just got everything else locked down. I'm okay showing him the right way to throw it because that for me is the key that there, there's a lot of misinformation out there and they're probably going to start messing around with it anyway or have someone show it to them that might not be the right way to throw it. That kind of like turning the doorknob um, right. <laughs> method that kind of gets thrown around out there, which is really not how you want to do it. Um, so I'd rather show them the right way to do it so that they're at least setting that foundation so that when as they develop, when they get to that 15, 16, 17, you know, high school age, um, that can be a real good pitch for them and a weapon for them that's going to make them that much better, make their fastball that much better um, and give them an opportunity if it's something they're looking to do to, to pitch beyond and, and get to that next level. So what are some of the things that a dad should be looking for to say, maybe my son is not ready? You know, like what are what are some things that 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 you know if a, if a dad's out playing catch with his kid or they're playing a game today and he looks at we could give him some tips to point to and say if he if he's not doing this or he's not this growth or he's not you know he's probably not ready. What would some of those things be? Uh, I mean, a lot of it has to do with your foundation. So their ability to repeat their motion. Now you can, of course, repeat your motion 100% the same every time. Even if you look at guys at the big league level, you'll see slight differences. But at the youth level, you'll see a lot more variation. Um, so if they don't have the necessary balance, dynamic balance, you know, balance while moving in their delivery, where they can consistently repeat their motion, where they can be fairly consistent with their command of their fastball, um, they're probably not ready. Right. You know, so that that's typically where I'd start. Now, if a kid can do all those things, he's probably ready to to at least see it now, or to see to see the proper way to start throwing it and just develop that. Um, but that's that shouldn't be the priority, especially. I mean, it depends what age we're talking about. So, you know, kids eight nine years old. I'm you know, focus on your fastball, develop your fastball, right. develop your delivery, have fun playing catch with your dad <laughs> out back. Right. Um, but that's that's not really what we're talking about. I, I often think that, um, you know, the, the tricky part of this is that we have a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old or 11-year-old who maybe is doing all of those things mm-hmm. because their body is, you know, four foot ten um, mm. and they're not developed and they, they haven't gone through. And all of a sudden now they're, they're 12, mm-hmm. right? And they're six inches taller and they're, you know, and now there's this period of adjustment. Yeah. They almost have to relearn pitching right right so what, what are we like how are we instructing pitchers kind of in that transition where like an 11 year old dad maybe say yeah my kid's got lockdown mechanics and he throws strikes mm. but now let's start with the curveball but a year from now he's a different kid you know yeah your center of gravity is moving away from the ground so you're you're getting farther <laughs> and farther away from the ground it gets tougher to control that and a kid you know he's it's happening in months you know a period of months where all of a sudden i'm further away from the ground than i used to be how do i control that and what i used to do doesn't work anymore um and i definitely went through that when i was a kid you know i'm six five and when i was a young pitcher i was constantly growing rapidly and your bones and your you know 
your frame gets bigger than your body's really developed yet to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that foundation of strength, mobility, balance, stability, that's, that's all integral for that. So you know, it's, it's a tricky process um, managing that, but you want to make sure that at each stage they're not losing, you know, let's say they were at that 10, 11 year old age and they had that, you know, the lockdown mechanics and they were steady and, and consistent with everything as they're developing, you want to make sure you're maintaining that and doing what you need to do to, to still have that in place. So I want to ask another question, but I have my thoughts on this too. How many pitchers do you meet that have lockdown mechanics? It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good point. Yep. Yeah. So I, mean, I think we should define, uh, you know, yeah. lockdown mechanics, you know, like, so, I mean, just uh, out of, out of 10 pitchers you see, how many do you think have what you would call lockdown mechanics? Yeah, it depends. Very few. Um, right. but especially when they're initially coming to you, um, usually it's for a reason that they don't have that. Um, right. So that's sort of the goal um, to, to help them get to that point. Um, if it's a kid who's like on the cusp of college, that's probably the, the times when I've seen guys like, all right, his mechanics are already sound. We can kind of start working on that next level. Um, you know, the, the fine tuning and the mastering of the art of pitching. But that's usually, you know, we're talking about a 17, 18 year old at that point. Yeah. Would you take away a curveball? So let's say you had maybe like a 13 or 14 year old kid who, yeah, he had it. He goes through a growth spurt and he's 15. Would you take away his curveball or would you kind of, you know, or maybe push pause on it for a little bit until well, he's I mean, the, I guess the, the, you could potentially do that. Um, it can be a great weapon to, again, kind of the, the thing that I think people, the reason that people often, are hesitant about curveballs or scared of curveballs is because they think it's going to increase the risk of injury. Right. Um, you know, the, it's not a black and white thing where you can definitely say they, that it, you're, you're not risk free from injury at any point as a pitcher. There's the act of throwing a baseball and pitching a baseball repeatedly carries with it a certain level of risk. Um, right. but r- number of studies have come out showing that the curveball doesn't put any more risk on your arm than a fastball. And that fastball ultimately is always going to be the highest risk pitch because you're throwing it at max velocity, max intensity. I don't care how good your mechanics are. Um, it's putting stress on your arm. So that's why taking care of your arm, your conditioning, having a solid throwing program and good mechanics are all key. If you throw the curveball properly, it's not any more stressful than a fastball. So if that's the main concern, really managing that pitcher's workload and making sure they're not pitching too much competitively at a young age should really be the focus. Um, having that curveball can actually be something that reduces their pitch count if you're able to get strikeouts quicker and instead of you're facing a batter and they're just fouling pitches off left and right because they're they're on your fastball if you have that curveball in your back pocket you can boom either get them swing and miss buckle them or make your fastball that much better that then you can blow it by them up in the zone it can actually make your pitching more efficient so um, i've never heard that every case is unique yeah i've never heard that described like that's why i love doing these podcasts i was once asked um a few uh, weeks ago, why do you have other people coaching on your podcast? Why don't you just do it? And this is exactly the reason why is because I've never heard that described two things already in this podcast that, and I've been doing this since I'm, you know, 24, <laughs> 25 years that your, your center of gravity is getting further away from the ground. Right. And right. I've never heard that, that a curve that make, that does make perfect sense. Right. It, are we putting our kids in more danger by not giving away out of, those high pitch totals. That's brilliant. Well, I mean, 
I, I learned a ton from you over the years, and every coach I think that I've met that knows their stuff is always looking to learn. And and I, the fact that you're doing this and talking to different coaches is a great thing. Um, yeah. I know I've learned something from every coach I've ever had along the way, and players I've played with along the way. So um, that is, I think, just a mindset that everyone, if whether you're a parent of a young pitcher or a coach yourself, that you want to have that that type of mindset where you're always looking to grow and get better. Yeah, that's that's brilliant, man. That because to me, like that almost, I almost feel like now that's a, you, you know, you hear things like this when you have conversations with guys who, who are, I, I'm saying, if you want to learn how to make a cheesesteak, you 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 learn from someone who's making. You go to those places in Philly, right, that are making a thousand cheesesteaks <laughs> a day, right? They 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 know all the tricks, right, of how to do this. And, you know, when you when you can hear something from a coach who's dealing with lots and lots of pitchers and, and really thinks about the game, you can learn something that will really change you. And to me, that that just was like an instant change because I, I, now I'm starting to think, huh, is it is it better for us to put more time into uh, rather than you know, more time into developing that those pitches um, and do we have to, and does that maybe balance out whatever well, the risk is? I mean, you know? the thing too is that it's something that you can develop just playing catch. It's just learning how to throw it the mm-hmm. right way. Your mechanics should be the same on every pitch. So it's yeah. really just it's adding on to it a different wrist position, different hand position, and getting the feel for how it should feel leaving your fingers. And that you can do just playing catch, low stress. Um, yeah. The other thing too is that I want to be careful about. I don't want to give the impression that I'm saying kids should all go out and throw a ton right. of curveballs. Right, right, you know? right. Like it's like, oh, it's all clear. Let's just go out and you see these kids in little league World Series throwing yep. 50, 60 percent curveballs. That's not really what I think is the best for your long term development either. Um, you know, establishing that fastball should be priority if the goal is to develop to your full potential. Yeah. No, I, I, it, to me, it's just it's just a real. It, it's something that you, we should really look at as far as what's the bigger issue, right? All the studies show the more pitches kids throw, the more they get hurt. It's just everyone comes that's, out that's with it. thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, there's no study that doesn't say that. You know, we can argue, okay, how often are they pitching? How many pitches per inning? How much time? We can argue about all those things, but they all come out the same, right? There's one thing they all agree on. Um, so let, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about I think we've I think we've done some good education on the safety of it and when to throw it and stuff like that. Let's talk about Breaking off some deuces, man. Let's you know what what go you know what goes into yeah. um, what what goes into throwing a good curveball. Yeah, I mean, uh, without it's one of those things that it's much easier to show um, mm-hmm. the grip and the hand position, wrist position, all of that. But really, once you get that good angle set, that's the key to it. Is that the fastball is throwing your fingers behind the ball, mm-hmm. curveball is throwing your fingers on the side of the ball, yep. and getting over it with that with your middle finger, being able to get good tension on that grip through ball release and you get that tighter spin. So um, it's it's kind of visualizing the shape of the, that's kind of the first level, I guess, for me, is you want to have a good understanding of what you want this pitch to do. What does a good curveball look like? Watch guys, you know, watch Clayton Kershaw, watch guys um, Verlander right now. Watch what that yeah. pitch does and have a good visual of what you're trying to accomplish with it. Because I think some kids, they think curveball and they're just, they're just trying to spin it and thinking it's going to move sideways or, you know, developing these real kind of slurvy, loopy type pitches, you want to be that hammer that comes out and then boom, drops off the table. Um, and I think it was, I don't know if it was Burt Blylevin or, or someone who had apparently, um, 
he credited his development of his curveball, had one of the, the better curveballs, breaking balls in the game, to listening to Dodgers games when he was a kid and hearing the announcer describe Sandy Koufax's curveball to him. Huh. And he just went out back and tried to recreate that shape of that pitch. Yeah. And that's how he developed his. Um, so it's really, you know, having that understanding of what you're trying to accomplish and then playing catch and, like I say, kind of getting over the ball, getting that, that overhand, that over end over end spin. Um, there's something I talk about in the program, too, called um, axis of rotation and mm-hmm. reverse spin. So your fastball and your curveball should be coming roughly out of the same slot. Fastball, if you release it true on a true forcing fastball, has reverse spin, backspin. Um, and your curveball basically has the absolute the reverse spin on that same axis. Right. But because it's going end over end basically into the wind, if you've ever – there's another concept I talk about is – um, running into the wind. If you're running into the wind, you feel that pressure on your face. If you've got the wind at your back, you feel how nice and easy it is. And uh, like you can run an extra five miles an hour. Um, with that curveball, if you're throwing it right and you get that end over end spin, you've got the top part of the ball has more air pressure and that's going to push it down because it's going into the wind basically. Um, so once you kind of have an understanding of that, the axis of rotation, getting that good tight spin, you understand how you can throw this to get it to have that movement. And then it's just kind of playing catch with it, getting feedback off what that pitch does, and you throw a good one, like, all right, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Let me see if I can repeat that and working to get a feel for it. Yes, yeah, so you said two things that are, I think are, I want to highlight. Um, number one, you talk about tension, you know, being able to maintain that grip um, and having that tension into release point. So guys who are listening. That's another thing, too, with, you know, for, for little kids, if their hands are not big enough, right. they're probably not going to be able to get that tension, that good grip. And they're not strong enough, right? They're, they're right. just not strong enough to hold. So when, when, you, when you heard the word tension, that has nothing to do with mechanics. That's nothing that we can teach in a nope. lesson, right? That's something you, you have to develop Steel. and build over time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing, which, which is, um, you know, I love and, and agree with is a great curveball looks like a fastball coming out of your hand. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that the, if you want to, like, I, I forget the exact quote, but it was kind of like, it was, it was about change-ups, but it was like a, a change, a bad change-up that looks like a fastball is better than a good change-up that looks like a change <laughs> right? So, so, yep. so, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard me tell the story, but I had, um, I had six pitchers that I was training that were all high school pitchers, you know, so they were playing the field and pitching too. And um, they were up against a kid that was throwing in the 90s in the county finals, and we had a week mm-hmm. to prepare. And all we saw was that he, when he was throwing 90, you could see it coming. It was on his face. It was in his body. It was in his language. Right? He came at you. Mm-hmm. And when he threw his curveball, he softened, and his head moved out to the side, and his release point was, yep. you know, he kind of tried to get on top of that curveball. And right. they, beat, they, get, they get that kid the only loss of his uh, of the year that year because mm-hmm. they just didn't swing at the curveball. Because mm-hmm. he couldn't throw it for strikes. And it, it just it, right. it looked like a curveball, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so... Um, what about placement of it? Um, I'm always, you know, I, I, you know, I think that in sometimes in a lesson, we mm. can sometimes change the measurement of success, right? Mm. That when a kid's throwing a lesson, they throw these like pretty strikes, you know, <laughs> they look great, right? But but if you're watching Verlander or Kershaw, these, I mean, you, you're the you're the curveball expert. These guys aren't throwing. I mean, they are throwing some curveball for strikes, but that's not where their money's mm. made, right? Yeah, I think it was Pedro Martinez. I heard say you get him, at, you know, you get ahead with strikes, get him out with balls. So yeah. you yeah. want to 
be able to have good enough command of all of your pitches where when you are ahead in the count, then you can get them to chase, you know, and swing at those pitches that might look like a strike and then end up away from the barrel of the bat out of the zone. Um, in terms of like the, the stages of development, that's probably toward, yeah, that's usually down the road. So when you're just learning, developing that pitch, first you want to just be able to command it, be able to throw it for a strike. And even if I'm working with a kid in a bullpen session, that's usually how we'll start off is just let's work on your curveball, be able to establish that you can throw that pitch for a strike, get it over for a strike right down the middle. Boom. Once you do that, all right, now let's try to throw that nasty one that's starting off, you know, thigh high and then drops down to the the toes um, out of the zone. Um, but there's, there are a variety of different ways, different types of curveball, basically. So you could have your get ahead curveball that guys just sit in fastball first pitch and you know it, and you can just maybe not be your best sharpest curveball, but you started off at their shoulder and drops in over the plate. Um, you've got your backdoor, it, it can be kind of a freeze pitch because like you said, it looks like fastball out of your hand, but it starts off on a different plane. So if you throw it, if you're going to drop it in for a strike, you could start it off high and the guy just gives up on it. So he straightens up and says, all right, there goes fastball up in the zone. Then boom, it drops over for a strike. And you've got your swing and miss down in the zone. Um, and if you, if you watch, you know, some of the games in the world series, you'll see this. So just watching, you have one of the things I tell kids is just watch good pitching this time of year. Um, you know, you can learn a lot by how these guys with the best arsenals of of pitching of pitches um how they go about their business how they use these pitches right um for me you know that was something that i developed probably in college um at the high school level i had a good forcing fastball that i could throw up and a curveball that i could drop down and um as long as they look enough the same you can be successful at that level with that um when i was in the pros i remember this was kind of at the very tail end of my career but i had you know, I had that, that curveball where I just had that great feel for it and throw it where I wanted to most of the time. Uh, not every right. time. But um, my first game with the Bridgeport Bluefish, which is an independent league team. I know there's like the Newark Bears um, yep. out in, in Long Island, the uh, Long Island Ducks. But uh, it's kind of a veterans league, so there are a lot of guys that kind of hang around that who are in the big leagues at one time in their career, and they're looking to just get their shot to get back in. At the time... Uh, Ricky Henderson was still in the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite players when I was a kid growing up. And I came into the game at the end of the game, uh, my first game with the Bluefish, actually. And I remember, it, you know, we're up a couple runs, two outs, um, runner on second base, and up <laughs> walks Ricky. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm standing on the mound right now facing right, right. this guy that when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, was I was a big Yankee fan growing up. So, like, that's Ricky Henderson up there. But I had this vision in my mind from when he, when I watched him on TV and him buckling on curveballs a couple times right. where he would kind of, you know, like the big crouch where you'd get in his stance wide and, and real hunched over. And occasionally you'll see him, you know, if you start a curveball up at his shoulder, he'll straighten right up and then boom, watch that pitch go over the plate. Well, I got to a, a full count and that kind of kicked in in the back of my mind. Like, oh, that's right. I, let's, what if I throw a curveball right here? And ended up buckling him with a curveball to nice. end the game nice um it was it was one of those moments like ricky was just like that guy just strike me out um <laughs> and then you know, the manager came up to me at the end of the game was like you know if nothing else you'd always say he struck out a hall of famer i was like yes yeah, good point that's so a great yeah that's a great point you know i i, I love there was a ricky henderson um 
when he was playing in those leagues, right, that here was this guy who was in the Hall of Fame, why is he still playing baseball? <laughs> you know, and he was like, I love to play baseball. Yeah, and it was he took it like, serious, he was out there, you know, he could play. Yeah, <laughs> even, but, at the, even when he was, you know, I don't, whatever he was, 45, 50 years old at that point. Yeah, but, you know, like, isn't that, isn't that the thing, you know, it's like, the, I thought that was the greatest quote. I heard Ringo Starr one time, somebody asked him a similar question, like, why are you at, like, 75 years old still, you know, touring? And he was like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to player. do anything else. Yeah, you want me to go sit at home? Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, so let, let's. I, I think that's. You know, I, I love the way you think about that pitch. Let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about kind of the the state of baseball because I know you have some some passionate beliefs about that. Um, I always like to ask this question: If I'm a dad and I'm you know got a 14, 15 year old kid and I'm sitting down across from you at Starbucks. And I say, you know, I'm really confused about everything that's going on in baseball today, tournaments and travel teams and showcases and elites and all these other things. What do I need to know? What, what, what do you know that I need to know, Phil? I think you kind of want to start with what's the end goal? You know, what's, yeah. what's your vision and your plan and, and what do you want to get out of your baseball experience? And if it's just to be the best high school player I can be and then I'm going to move on to do something else in college that's a different scenario than a kid who you know I've loved baseball since I was a kid I'm, and you're like at that elite level already and you're thinking about you know I want to go on and pitch in college I want to pitch in the pros and make the like go after getting into the big leagues um, that's a different mindset and a different approach so like number one you just want to be realistic about that um, you know I was a late bloomer so probably 13 14 years old people didn't wouldn't have guessed um, that I would have gone on and, and you know, I've been fortunate to to play in college and professionally. But um, it it starts with just asking questions and learning more about that kid's situation. I guess is what I would say. Yeah. What, so so what would be like you know, I, I think this, this this so what you're talking about here is that you know, like you have a, a like almost a diagnostic process right to find out what's what's important mm -hmm. for the kid. What questions? Do you think like a, a dad should ask of a coach? Because we we encourage them to to really question coaches mm -hmm. about you know different things, especially if their kids are going to play on a team and if it's a big commitment. What what are some things that a, co a dad should maybe ask of a coach? I think the the state of baseball um, at the even it's the problem is that it's beginning even younger and younger. They're they're starting these elite teams at eight years old now. Yeah. Um, where it's just tournaments every weekend and they're playing competitive games and they're, you know, are they practicing or playing catch during the week? You don't really know, but then they've got nine games in three days on the weekend and they're the, the coaches. And I, I fully believe that all coaches, you know, they're doing it for the most part are doing it with the best intentions and they're doing what they believe is the best for their players. Um, but it's very easy to get caught up in. I've got to have a winning program. Players want to play for a winning team. Parents who are paying me money or they want to win. And in the heat of the moment, you're when you were on the fence of oh I know Johnny pitched Friday and threw five innings but he didn't meet the pitch limit rules or whatever right. um, and it's Sunday I'm going to use him again because um, we got a chance to win this game and Johnny's not going to say no and the parent either doesn't feel it's his place to to step up and say something or maybe just doesn't know um, you know what's a safe range for him to be in for, in terms of pitches, right. how much stress has he had on his arm, what's, what's that potentially doing to him. Um, so you can get into that scenario where it's it's not what's in the best interest of that athlete's long-term development. Right. Um, so in terms of what are you going to ask a coach, I, I would definitely try to get feedback on that coach directly in that kind of conversation where 
how do you, what's your approach with managing pictures? Who, how many other pictures do you have on the team? Um, are there scenarios where your guys have pitched back to back games? Um, and, and how do you handle that kind of stuff? I'd also just seek out, you know, other, other parents who maybe have been through that same program and, um, can give you some feedback on their own experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, that's super important. Cause, um, I don't know if you know, um, Chris Giselle from baseball dudes. Uh, he's, mm, he's, he's a yeah. good, he's a great dude. We had him on a few weeks ago and, and, and he was talking about, you know, guys that are, you know, in his universe and he's educated, um, that went out and, you know, and pitched kids back to back days. And then the kids went out and played center field after that, you know, and, and so there's, you know, I think, um, and we're working on a few things here too, that definitely I'm going to, I'm going to ask you when we're ready, Phil, to be a part of, that's going to hopefully educate dads, um, uh, about, you know, exactly what are bad combinations, you know, like pitching Mm -hmm. back to back days, pitching and then playing shortstop or go, or going into, you know, throwing 120 pitches and then going in to catch the last two innings. Right. (laughs) You know, stuff like that. Which happens. All that stuff happens on a regular basis. I think that's, that's awesome that you're doing that because I think that's really where we're at with youth baseball and even, you know, at the high school level with the elite and the the tournament ball that's going on. Um, It's just the education needs to be there so that people have a better understanding of what is reasonable and what is not reasonable. Um, And if you're asking, you know, if you're putting a young developing athlete who's maybe going through puberty and their, you know, their bone plates haven't, you know, firmed up yet and they're not fully developed and you're asking them to do what you would never ask a professional major league picture to do um, yeah. outside of potentially game seven of the world series. You right. Know? Yep. Um, and, but you're asking them to do that on a regular basis in 10 U 14 U travel ball tournament. Yeah. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I know they, uh, they want to, they're doing it just because they're strapped and they've their limitations. And because of the structure of these tournaments, they don't have, they don't know what the alternative is. They're like, well, we got to have somebody playing shortstop. We got to, you know, if we want to win this game, we want our best player doing this. Um, but you know, there's one of my favorite coaches is John Wooden and, yeah. you know, not a baseball guy, but, um, one of the winningest coaches of all time and had some of the best teams there in that dynasty run he had. But one of the things his players always say is he never talked to us about winning being the end goal. Um, it was always about just being the best that you can be. And it was about developing them. So I think that was really the focus that he had was just, if I develop each one of my players into the best player that they can possibly be being the best version of themselves out there on the court that they can possibly be, the end result is going to be, we're going to win games. And if you get everyone to buy into that approach, you're going to be an, an awesome team. Um, and it's easy, I think, to lose sight of that in this the tournament ball culture where the focus is on winning, um, where you kind of lose sight of, is this really in the best interest of this athlete's long-term development? Right. And you know that's one of the things I love about what you're doing with the, the 5, 6, 7 dad stuff and with this group is what are we doing in this time frame that these young athletes are developing and how can baseball be a, be a vehicle um, and something that sets them up for success when their playing days are done because they're going to be done someday? And are we helping them develop into men that can go on into the world in a positive, productive way? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, uh, for the last little segment here, I want to switch gears again because we had your friend Josh Heenan on. 
And, oh, nice. Yeah, and he talked about how you guys work together. So we definitely, it's, it's, it's a thing that, especially if pitching coaches are listening um, and, uh, or, or dads are listening of, of who you kind of need in your stable to really get your son to, you know, to maximize whatever his potential is. Um, and Josh talked about working hand in hand with you, which is something that we preach, right? You need to have these yep. fitness, health, and medical professionals that can can do really a lot for us. Why, is there is there some thoughts you have about that relationship, or can kind of give us some idea of, of how it works with you and Josh? Absolutely. I mean, working with Josh has been one of the best things that I've done um, with the young pictures I work with. Um, that's been the most benefit to them and help them get better results because. The pitching side of it is just one piece of the puzzle, the mechanic side of it, the, the pitch development side of it. You can do everything you can from that point, but if you don't have the necessary mobility, strength, and whatever you need physically to handle the mechanics that I think might be optimal for you, they're not going to work. It's right. going to fall apart. So you have to develop that foundation of strength. And I think if you're a, a guy who has a son who is um, wants to be a pitcher at, at the next level, you know, really develop to their maximum – um, that has to be a big piece of the puzzle. It's just their physical and athletic development. Yeah. Um, so in addition to just you know playing other sports and developing the coordination that you can from those sorts of things, hooking up with a guy like Josh, a great strength coach who understands the demands of pitching, which are very unique um, and different than the way you might train another high-level athlete, football, basketball, you name it. Um, you want someone that can that understands that, and that isn't just going to give your guy you know a football program. Um, Working hand in hand with that, he's able to tell me, look, this guy's got a hip deficiency, a hip mobility deficiency, um, and he's not going to be able to move the way that you might be suggesting until we get this corrected. Here are a couple of things that you can add in during his warm up before you guys start working on your pitching. Um, right. That kind of stuff has been invaluable. Yeah, and, and like what we were talking about with Josh, is it's like these guys can help us um, or help the pitchers actually do the stuff we're trying to get them to do and eliminate the things that are stopping them, which I'm sure you and I would both agree is out of our skill set. You know, it's just mm -hmm. not in our area of expertise to help them mm -hmm. fix a hip or fix an ankle. You know, <laughs> right. and sometimes yeah. we can learn enough to be dangerous about it. Right. Um, <laughs> yep. But but you know, when you really you know you need to have that that education and that experience to be able to look at this and run it through the the assessment tools and say, yeah, this is a problem. Here's what we need to do to fix it. It's going to take this long and. You know, so, um, yeah, I would encourage just the, the coaches to really, you know, I'm like a broken record on this, to have those relationships. So, um, Phil, why don't we give everybody, how do they get, all get in touch with you? I know you, you offer a lot of camps and instruction, and you also offer virtual coaching for mm -hmm. people that are all over. We have sent um, some people of our clients to you, um, and, and I'll just say the feedback has been great. Uh, we just recently had one of our players, um, I believe he traveled out to you, correct? Um, mm -hmm. yep. Yep, traveled out to you and and came back and, you know, and was uh, thanking me uh, profusely for, for sending me to, to <laughs> well, you. I appreciate that. Yep. So, so how do we get in touch with you? You know, kind of tell us everything that you're, you got going on. Yeah, sure. I mean, the main hub is betterpitching.com, so people can always find me there and, and everything that Better Pitching is about there, um, different programs I've got, whether you're local to the New York, Connecticut area, or um, online programs that are available through that, or remote coaching situations. Um, that's probably the, the first place I'd point people. Um, they can go there, they can get a, a free guidebook on uh, sort of my philosophy on pitching mechanics, um, 
another place might be on Facebook. So better pitching on Facebook, you'll find my Facebook page there. Um, and those are really the two main ways that I get in touch with people. So if you, if you're interested and like what you see there, you can certainly sign up and get on the email list. Um, that's probably the way I communicate the most. And then Facebook better pitching with the other, the other way. Yeah. So, so here, let me, let me just give, let me just for the dads that are listening, let me, um, let me just give a little plug for having a virtual coach. It's kind of a, it's kind of a unique situation, right? That, um, you know, how can a pitching coach help you from a distance? Um, there are certainly are limitations to it. There's no doubt about that, but, um, technology is moving very quickly and those, those limitations are becoming less and less. So let me tell you why I think it's good for you to reach out to someone like Phil to help you virtually is because, um, I think a lot of people come to me and say a couple things. They say, um, you know, we have this coach that's a part of our program and we're not getting the results that we want from him. And we kind of can't leave. <laughs> you know, there's the politics of the situation that sometimes happen and say, you know, we kind of can't leave. And so in that mm -hmm. situation, it helps for you to be able to, you know, not anonymously, but uh, work with someone who can give you um, a, an outside opinion. The other thing, too, is that I hear from dads is that a lot of times the opinions they get, they know are biased based on their situation. So different coaches will tell you different things based on maybe what, you know, is also in the best interest of the coach or that team or the academy, not necessarily always the best interest of your kid. Um, that's not always the case. Those are rare, but it does happen. So to have, again, again, a third party person that you can go to to give you advice is invaluable. The last thing I hear is that we go to XYZ Academy or we play at XYZ High School and they go to ABC <laughs> Instruction Academy and we can't be seen going into, <laughs> right. uh, I don't, I'm running out of letters, we can't be seen going into the <laughs> other baseball academy or we can't be right. seen going to another coach. And, and unfortunately, yeah, it's bad, but that's the reality. But that's why you can, mm. use, a, you can use a coach like Phil who can who who has no horse in the race and can give you honest uh, assessment can give you instruction based on what's best for you not always what's maybe um, the best for that situation that you're in so I would encourage you to check that out because it's a, it's a I, I, you know we've talked to a lot of people it's a very valuable resource that um, that we're, we're blessed to live in this age where we can we can have that on so please check out everything that Phil's got um, and I, I can't endorse him enough. Um, we spent some time together. Um, he's come out to um, a couple of our business events. And, um, you know, we're always, like I said, we're sending people to him and we're working with him. And we publish his Curveball Mastery. So we, we, we really love Phil. And we can't endorse him enough. So, Phil, any final words of wisdom for the dads? Who are <laughs> um, no, I mean, I've, you've, you've covered a lot here. And, again, it's really been an honor to be on the show. Um, you know, I think that one of the best things about baseball is that connection that it helps you develop with your son. And when you, when I think about baseball, you know, it's, it's fields of dreams. It's that father son connection, playing catch with your son. So no, I know it can get, um, it's easy to get caught up in the frenzy of elite travel ball and get to the next level. And that college recruiting process can be a bear, but just try not to lose sight of that and enjoy the time you've got with them when you, while you do, um, you know, and, and any part that I can play in, in helping them uh, accomplish whatever dreams they have for themselves. So that's, it's kind of my, my honor to do that. So thanks again for, uh, for having me on. I love what you're doing with, uh, with this and everything that you're doing on the baseball side. All right. Well, Phil, thank you very much for, uh, for tuning in and guys to go check out everything that Phil's got. And, um, uh, we'll see everybody on the next show.
Hey guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education, also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Riddick Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in, and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So, again, thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads, and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.